my name is Buyanzi Rodman, and I help black women leaders make career transitions with ease. I have a bachelor's in history, a master's in adult education and training, and my first career was as a middle school teacher. I know the school system is a little bit different, so middle school is ages 12 to 14. I started my career as that, and it evolved into corporate trainer, college professor, and eventually, years later, there was a lot of uh, training in between and presentation giving, and then it lands, landed on coaching about five years ago, where then I became a certified life executive career coach. Mm -hmm. So why the transition? I love how people are like, I was driving one day and then the Lord spoke to me and opened the clouds and told me to be a life coach. My story is so not like that. My story is I was teaching and I was like, do I want to be a guidance counselor? I don't know what you call them here, but it's like the, the people who help the uh, kids choose the classes and stuff. Because something about helping people was drawing me. But I was like, mm -mm, I don't think I want to be that. And then it was many years later that or a few years later that I would find out there was something called coaching. I went to a workshop. These two women who were running the workshop were called coaches. Well, what are coaches? When I saw so, so the, it was the workshop in the U.S. or yeah, it was in the U.S. Uh, before I stepped foot on the soil here, mm -hmm. and I had I was into personal development, but I had never heard of coaches. Mm -hmm. I like what they did. Even what they said they could, how they could help us one on one, and with that, I'm like, I want to be a coach. However, I put it off for like, I don't know, like ten years, because mm -hmm. I was too busy. Please notice for the recording, I'm putting air quotes around the word busy, mm -hmm. because busy is as busy does, and busy just means sometimes either you're not ready or it's not your time. Mm -hmm. So during that time, I would have been like. I was really busy with the kids. They so were young. So you were putting excuses. Um, yeah, well, it didn't seem like it at the time. It mm -hmm. seemed legitimate. But now I know it wasn't my time to be a coach 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. It was my time to evolve into the human being that I was becoming and thus then make a decision to be a coach. And in 2018, I was making six figures USD. I had a car buy my company a company car I had a gas card I had an American Express credit card I traveled for work 80% of the time I was on the road or in a plane or wherever it was and I turned in my resignation um, at the beginning of 2018 and that's big <laughs> I turned in my resignation now at the time mm -hmm. It wasn't, I cannot sit here and say, I turned in my resignation to become a coach. No. Mm -hmm. I turned in my resignation because I knew whatever it was I wanted to pursue, I could not pursue it at the rate I was going with the travel. And just now, then it wasn't, it was like being, traveling, being tired. When you do have free time, you have to do the things you couldn't take care of because you were on a plane going to different places. Mm. So when they're like, why are you quitting? Because, I mean, it was a good gig. Yeah. Why are you quitting? My excuse was to pursue personal projects. Mm -hmm. 
But then after that three or four months, I did enroll in coaching school for my certification. That's how it worked from there. That was, uh, yeah, that was a pretty crazy move. (laughs) It was a crazy move. But I'm known, I am known to reinvent myself when I feel it's time to reinvent. So during that moment of 2018 and you're earning that six-figure salary and weren't you shocked like the uncertainties will i make it will i not make it um even that belief around if i do this then my kids won't be taken care of because i want to be clear that is a limiting belief mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. if you quit your job your kids will surely starve if you change your career right now oh my gosh your kids are going to suffer that's a limiting belief. Mm-hmm. You think, not you per se, one thinks, you're like, I don't believe <laughs> But one thinks that that is true because that is the rhetoric that everyone says. But even if my kids were little, they, we would have been fine. Mm-hmm. I, I have no, like, there's some way, even within failure, that they would have been fine. My kids, and I was a single parent, my kids have never wondered about where their meals were going to come from and there have been some periods of being in a valley because I was a single parent for many years yeah so so I I definitely had it on my mind like okay let me just make sure I can pay my bills um okay now I'm gonna have to buy a new car I mean there were expenses but um when you are ready to make a decision What I can tell you is that ways, whether you want to say God provides a way, and I really want to be clear on this so that I say God will open up doors, but he's waiting for you to make the decision Mm. because things came in immediately. Can I just, I like this quote. Can I just read this quote? Um, Because I was just using this with some of my coaching clients last night. So this is the quote. Um, It's by Ken Blanchard. There's a difference between interest and commitment. When you're interested in doing something, you do it only when it's convenient. When you're committed to something, you accept no excuses, only results. Oh, wow. That's powerful. In that 2018, you're quitting. Which highest level were you at as a teacher? Oh, that, um, yeah, that had been, I think the year before, because I had to stop doing so much uh, of at the colleges that I was working at because I was doing too much traveling. So by then I had stopped, but I, it was, we call it, I don't know what you call it here, but we call it adjunct professor. So that means I'm not tenured as a professor. Um, you come in literally, okay, you had for this semester, so you come teach this semester. Next semester, you may not be able to come in. So um, that, that was that, because I think the last college course I taught I I feel like it was 2017 because it was just too much the travel was 80% of the time it must have been very stressful um the travel you know how people say oh I like to travel let me be clear I like getting to my destination I don't like traveling (laughs) what are you going to tell if I could just close my eyes and be there Seriously, seriously, there were times I was walking down the in through the airport like corridor, and I was like, "Where am I going again?" 
you wake up, you don't know where you are. Like, <laughs> traveling 80, and people who will read this and travel, let's say like 80% of the time you're in an airplane, you'll understand. It is, it sounds like Limers people are like, oh, you travel? I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. The career transitions. We're laughing, we're talking about how scary they were. I had a family. This is right now, I am she. I am her. The, the women leaders that I work with, many of them are on the cusp. Have they had achievements in their lives? Absolutely. The people who come to me and let's say they just finished with college, I'm wondering if I, mm -mm, you're not for me. Those women who experience, <laughs> you're like, dang. But those women who have, who are on the cusp of experiencing what is my next chapter. The women who may have to take risks. Think about what I did. I took a risk. Mm -hmm. The women who took, who are, they want to take risks, but what is it? They fear or they're scared. Mm -hmm. Those are those who I coach. I've been through that. The women who've been in a career and felt stuck, because also there were times within these careers that I'm like, God, will I ever get out? There are women who feel stuck in their career. I can relate to that. I am her. And that is why I believe I can draw those who, who are supposed to be the, the passionistas. That's what I call them, passionistas. My passionistas are drawn to me because I'm not a person sitting over here like, oh, I, I don't, okay, it sounds like you've been through something, but I don't understand it. I have had valley periods. I have felt stuck. I have felt like I had no confidence. I've had to be built up. You've gone through somewhere you felt like tears were just flowing in you. What was this lowest moment? Mm. I have been on a specific transformational journey for three years. And sometimes when you make a commitment to do something in your life, yeah, we've been talking about the decisions that I had control over. However, it's who you become during your growth when you don't have control over situations outside of you. Who are you becoming in this? 2022 uh, was a very tough year. From beginning the year with, I, I won't go into great detail about how it happened, but losing everything except for three suitcases, literally losing everything except for three suitcases at the beginning of 22 to losing my mother at the end of 22. So this is a journey. And when I say it started in 2020, because I had a burning desire, this is important, a burning desire to elevate the person who I was from who I knew. But I didn't know that that commitment to myself, that that commitment to my growth, that that commitment to my elevation would cost me everything. And so in 2022, there were things that happened that all of a sudden I found myself having felt like Job that's in the Bible, mm. lost everything. Yes, and then yes, the, yes. My, my mother 
my mother dying is like the worst ever. I believe it has all been a part of the divine plan for my life. The pruning, you think about a plant. How does a plant grow? A plant, you can't just let it grow wildly. There's sometimes you got to pick off some things, some leaves that are dead, that are not producing fruit. And so things, unbeknownst to me, had to be picked off till that plant, that poor thing, I guess, was looking really bare in order for me to flourish. Because right now I can speak to you from a place in which I'm flourishing, mm. from a place in which I'm growing. Why the life coach, not a business coach, not a... Oh, if you knew me, I'm a life person. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not that... That is, I do life. I do life hard. Like, I'm a life enthusiast. Like, life is who I am. Um, there's a scripture, I've come, Jesus says, um, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Like, I'm, that is, so, so life coach versus business coach. When you say business coach, I almost fall asleep at the title. It's not my thing. Because it's boring to me. <laughs> That's why. I think, you know, business. But to me, life is, is intriguing. To be able to um, help people to um, unpeel the layers mm -hmm. of their life. To get down to the core of what drives them. The core of maybe what even blocks them. Mm -hmm. That's dope. And you can quote me on that one. That's dope. And to be able now to tap in and empower, mm. empower someone else. But I mean, they have to be willing to receive it because I can't do it alone. Oh, yeah. But empower someone else and see the transformation. Why not life coach? So how do you then continue to ignite your passion, especially on challenging things? I stay connected to God. That is being connected to the source. How do I stay connected? Um, there's routines that I do. Like um, I wake up in the morning. The first thing that I do isn't just get up and grab a cup of coffee. It is pray. It is meditate. It is listen for God. It is amplifying my intuition. Um, people, I love this definition of intuition. Prayer is you talking to God. Intuition is God talking to you. Amplify and awaken my intuition so I can hear from God. And just lean into the fact that I am fortunate. You don't understand. Like, Wangu, when I wake up, no, when I, when I go to sleep or when I wake up, I don't know, I'm half asleep either way. I cry. I cry weekly. Why? Because I'm so happy to be fortunate to do what I love. How, who am I that God would choose me? I graduated high school pregnant. I was a pregnant 17-year-old girl. Before I was 21, I had three kids and I was not married. Who am I that God would choose me to be a vessel and walk in purpose and walk in passion? I cry. I could cry. You see tears welling up now because I take, how do I stay ignited? Because this thing is fortunate. This is, 
Like people think, oh, she's just happy all the time. It's not that I'm happy all the time. I'm connected with what I do. I'm so connected and I know that it is a privilege that I have to serve God in this capacity. And no, I'm not a Christian, you know, Christian coach. I don't just speak to Christian people, weed out other people. I speak to people of all religions, all spiritualities, but I know who I am. There are women leaders who will read this and who are stuck in the cog wheel of what the world deems success, yet they want something else and they feel like they can't get it. November 18th, that's what it is, November 18th. This is really important because I'm telling you how I stay um, to, to reignite my passion. I'm actually having an intimate coaching event. It will be my first Nairobi event, but it's only going to be for like 10 to 15 people where it's an intimate experience. And that is about unleashing the phenomenal woman within. And the theme of the night is like reigniting your passion and your purpose with confidence. If just 1 million women in this country reignite their passion and their purpose and start living in it. Oh my gosh, I hope you can't see the pores on my face. Um, (laughs) My friend, it's so close, oh my God. Um, So imagine the impact in this country. I don't just live here, I'm about about making impact too. How long do you stay with a client? Um, I, is there like a time? Yeah, absolutely. So first I need to say that my coaching program is called Career Passion Accelerator. Mm-hmm. Career Passion Accelerator. Mm-hmm. And um, so I stay with the clients for 12 weeks. It's a 12-week intensive. That, that word is really important. 12-week intensive c- coaching program. So, and that entails, of course, the coaching one-on-one, but also entails um, a digital course. I actually, like, I have a proper digital course that they have different lessons each week throughout the 12 weeks as well. Mm-hmm. So for the 12 weeks, and you said there has to be a one-on-one, what happens to the global ones? You do the one-on-one on Zoom? There's a computer <laughs> and the internet. I've been doing Zoom. I've been working internationally since I began coaching. Mm. Even when I was in the States, I had worked with someone in the UK, someone in Canada, and even within the States, maybe, maybe two or three clients were, oh, uh, <laughs> okay, uh, maybe two or three clients who were, um, were local. But my business has never been local. My business has always been global. And also, this is the other thing. Right now, I'm doing one-on-one too. However, listen, I'm a woman who wants to make impact. If I want to make impact, should I keep it one-on-one? I have to expand it. So that's why uh, the group coaching event is going to be so important because now... I've done it before, but now it's about to be even more intensified Mm -hmm. that I will be working more so leaning towards group coaching. That's how I can impact more people too. Mm -hmm. When you go to, and I don't know if they do it like this, right? Sometimes you go to a certain restaurant, Mm -hmm. then you're opening up the menu and then you see some prices, but then you get to this page and they say market price. 
It'll be fish, I don't know, coming in from maybe Lake Victoria or something. Market price. But what you don't see are the prices. Mm -hmm. Because it's the market price. So so what I can tell you is I am market price. What I can tell you is I, I, I'm not a, a, a store with my price outside. Why? Because number one, I don't, everyone's not allowed in my store. There are people that I don't make my offer to because I know that I am not a good fit for them and vice versa. Yeah. I'm selective. For me, uh, I'll even use the marketing word niche. N I C H E. For me, niche, when I finally niched down, because I did want to help everyone in the beginning, it was power. Because I know exactly who I talk to. The way, why can I talk to you passionate about the women leaders that I work with? How can I talk to you passionately about them? Because I know them and I've narrowed it down to them and I select them and I know who they are. I don't know who everybody is. Can you share a personal story mm. where you felt especially fulfilled or inspired by the progress of one of your clients? Mm-hmm. Just even last night. One of my clients is, she just finished a program, um, my program, and then right now she's going to take a pause and then she'll return. And this is something that I'm going to post, so I'm, I'm not telling her business without uh, her permission. Yeah. Um, she... For instance, she gave the example that her husband had passed away five years ago. And one of the things she needed to do was to clean out the house. And she said, you know, five years, just couldn't do it. But she said in six months, she's gotten farther in six months as she began the coaching. Mm -hmm. Because even feeling overwhelmed by the situation of having to, you know, finally kind of clean things out from when her husband had passed five years ago, the lightness that she's experienced and that I even can see in her, the transformation of, she talked about how she was comfortable now because also there was a transition as far as her career is concerned. She'd been a real estate investor for many years. However, she was looking at counseling and coaching and how might this work but not feeling comfortable at all but finally feeling comfortable that she is at peace with her next chapter and she said even her daughter has noticed a change in her during this time and she said other people have noticed like what is it that's with you so seeing that last night when I listened to her testimonial because I'll be posting it like in parts on social media I was like, because she said I was skeptical. I didn't know. Like, can she really help me? I mean, I don't know. But she's like, oh, I'll be back. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's a story. And that's just from last night. But there are plenty of stories like that. And, um, yeah, it it just, yeah. And that, and I'm sorry, I want to go back to your question. When I hear the stories, even though I have to have confidence in what I do alone, when I hear the stories like that, it makes me even more connected to the the reigniting, if you will, of mm. that which I'm passionate about and my purpose. So have you ever like coached someone who didn't come with a positive story? Who didn't come with a positive story in terms of they didn't get the transformation they were looking for? Um yeah, yeah, of course. Um that's anyone who didn't do the work. <laughs> like like honestly, because <clears throat> I'm thinking about there's one particular um, person that I coached years back, but, you know, it's about doing the work. I'm not going to single her out because there's been a couple of people like that. 
I can coach you and coach you and coach you. It's like going to school. I can coach you, you can go to school, but if you don't decide after you leave the classroom or after you leave the coaching session to do your action steps, to apply the work um, to your life, to take that action, then it doesn't work because nothing is working. What do we say? Make a decision, make a commitment, take action. How then do you measure success in your line of work? Success is like... Taking from Earl Nightingale's um, definition, it's something like the progressive realization of a worthy goal. The progressive realization of a worthy goal. So first of all, I have to think about what I deem worthy. I deem that impact is worthy. Mm -hmm. I deem that making a living, because when you make a living, you do need to eat. So making money is a worthy goal. Um, And so how do I, you know, I guess measure the effectiveness you know, maybe the number of people I'm working with, what they are doing. I also look at, because again, because it's about doing the work, I like to see, I can measure myself by what they're doing too. Because if all of my clients aren't doing the work, then I'm going to have to look at myself. Yeah, true. Right? <laughs> like, well, they all aren't doing the work. Well, what's the common denominator? You. you? So exactly. So, I mean, I have to be real too. So, how many clients I have? What is it that I'm doing? Um, what is it that they are doing? And constantly assessing what I'm doing according to what they're doing. And just knowing also sometimes it's not a good match as well. And, um, and then also seeing, but then this is, you asked about measuring because this is hard to measure. I like when I get calls up from a podcast that I have done, let's say, okay, this actually, this is a true story. 2020, I got a random call from a person in the States who said, I heard your interview on such and so. The podcast that they named had been over a year ago and no longer was made. I don't I don't know how she found the podcast, but she found it. She found me through that podcast. I wish there was more things that I could measure like that to say how many clients came from this podcast, this interview, this article, you know, this whatever it may be. So I, I don't have that down pat yet. Maybe I got to work with someone who knows more than me in that area. So what do you hope to uh, your legacy will be? Mm. My legacy is one of sensitivity, mm-hmm. one of being tapping into emotion, mm-hmm. one of leaning into uh, leaning in to who I am becoming mm-hmm. as a woman of purpose, and therefore working with black woman leaders of purpose who are about their purpose, their passion, their purpose. Um, and empowerment. Uh, I just want to say this empowerment, um, and I guess that's maybe that's the umbrella over it all. Uh, when my mother died, I'll just give you this example of it, and I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't know that those tears I don't want to cry. But this is really important because um, my friend who really hadn't met my mother, a friend of mine who really maybe she met my mother a couple of times, but didn't she? She come to the funeral. She said, your mother's funeral, like what a great woman, like such an impact that she, a positive impact that she made. 
My mother worked with many, and and by the way, I mean the work that's informal that you don't get money for. People, women especially, used to call her. She was a counselor. She was a coach. She was a... um, a soul care provider, a soul care provider. And the, if she knew, right, if we even knew what coaching was back then, the money that she could have even made from coaching, but that wasn't her focus. Her focus was to empower women. I used to see, and my mother took it seriously, I used to see her being on the phone. And I'm like, who's that? Why don't you get off the phone? Like, why are you still on the phone? But she'd give them the time to talk. Unfortunately, sometimes she might be like, you know, she might nod off because, but she'd give them the time to talk. They'd feel empowered by her and they loved her. If I can be at least half of that woman that Lucy Gertrude Rodman was, let me be clear, that the Reverend Lucy Gertrude Rodman was, then that is the legacy I want to leave. One of empowerment. If you could give one piece of advice, just one, Mm -hmm. Uh to other women aspiring to make a difference, what would it be? Make a decision, make a commitment, take action. Mm -hmm. I know you said one word. I don't know if you literally mean a word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did you mean literally a word? Yes, a word. One word. Okay. Yes. Commit. Commit to that which you have a burning desire. Napoleon Hill uses that word in thinking we're rich. Commit to that which you have a burning desire. Where's the burning desire? You'll find it right around here in your belly area. Mm-hmm. Commit to it. Mm-hmm. And we are done. We are done. Thank you.